Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Appreciate that so much. What a blessing that is. What a blessing. Moms, I want you to stand again. I want to give a good round of applause to mothers. Mothers, stand up for just a moment. We're so grateful for what you've done. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've invested in us. I'm so grateful for my mom, and I count it a privilege. I wish I could just say thank you to her today and tell her I love her. But what an honor it is to have a mother who loves the Lord and wants to serve the Lord and see her children serve the Lord and, and follow Him. It's just beautiful. It's just wonderful. So we're so grateful for you. I know we ran out of those gifts. I hate that. Uh, we didn't know how many to order. We just had a great crowd in the other service too. And, but these nice little uh, compact mirror kits, what an incredible... Um, I don't even know what half the stuff in here is, but I know you can take these little nail clippers. I know what a tweezer and a kid, but I don't even know what this little shovel is. But they, they said, uh, I guess it's a diet thing for ladies. You don't eat so much when you... No, somebody told me back there it was, you push the little skin of your fingernail back, and what would you want to do that for? I mean... <laughs> Because your nails would be longer. I, you know, I've never done that my entire life. I've never wanted my nails to be longer, but I guess some women do. So we got you one of those little shovels, and you'll be, you'll be ready to go. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is a cool little thing. You know, you could just, I'm going to throw it in my car. I'm going to put it in my car. If I ever need my nail, you know, the skin of my nails pushed back, I'll, I'll be ready to go right there. But uh, just throw that in your car. You'll have an extra one there. You never know where you could use it. That's a clever little gift. And the ladies' ministry put that together, and they put their theme for the year here, hope. Uh, continually will continually hope in the Lord. And what a beautiful thing. And so thankful to all the ladies that helped with that and, and invested in that. We're so grateful. And if you didn't get one, you want to make sure you get back because that little shovel will go a long way in your life. <laughs> but uh, yeah, come back and come to the office or maybe we'll have some, Jeremy will have some out here in the foyer for you if you didn't get one from uh, today. But we want to enjoy that today. Take your Bibles today to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm excited about the message today. It's going to be a Mother's Day message. We're going to forego our messages on our capital campaign, which we're going to do our commitment Sunday, May 22nd, and then we begin our giving above tithes and offerings on May 29th. Now, I want to challenge you on that. Some of you said you didn't get an information packet in the mail, and I'm not sure why that is, but if you would like to pick one up, we had about 100 made. We have them out in the floor. You can uh, pick one up on the way out. It'll show you information about what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish, and we've even tried to get some to the Sunday school teachers, too, so we can get the word out and connect leaders. And so I um, want to make sure you're ready for that. As of last month, okay, we're trying to raise about $1.5 million for this campaign. And uh, we're going to use that toward the building, keep our debt-to-income ratio low. Uh, also, the banks want to look at that to know that the, uh, there's a level of support there financially. So if we can raise $1.5 million is what we're after. As of the end of last month, which was April, we already have a half a million uh, promised, faith promised. So we're at a half million already, just need another million to go. And so we're so grateful for those that gave from last month, some of our people who gave early, and you can continue to give online or you can fill out a commitment card, and that would be a faith promise right there in the uh, next-gen 2023 vision that we have, and you can see that online in the giving area. But I did want to mention that I'm excited about that. That's a good, that's a good start for our campaign going into uh, the month of May. 2 Kings chapter 4 now. I want you to uh, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. 
I'm going to read verses 1 to 7, 1 to 7 in chapter 4, 2 Kings. Now, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my children to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few, and you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels, and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They were bringing the vessels to her, and she poured. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. You may be seated. Now, I sought the Lord this week for some uh, idea of what I wanted to share with mothers today, and um, uh, this is the passage I landed on. As a matter of fact, I preached the other verses, 8 to 15, 16, last week, and so what I did is I went back and just started reading all the widow stories in the Bible. Uh, I just read the New Testament, Old Testament. I was so blessed by it. And this one is just a fun one to, I guess fun isn't right, the right word, but just a blessing to be able to see what God wants to do with mothers and uh, just a powerful passage of Scripture. So I sought the Lord's advice. And then Marge Morrison came up to me the other day and said that, uh, now, you know, moms feel a lot of guilt already don't, don't make them feel any more guilty on Mother's Day. And so I got Marge's advice. And then um, my wife said, now, when you preach on Mother's Day, don't be sappy. Don't be sappy and have every woman out there crying. So, okay, so I've got my, I got my wife's advice, I got Marge's advice, and I got the Lord's advice. So I'm going to follow all three of those for this message today, and we'll see how it goes. But um, this is just a, a wonderful portion of Scripture. So I want to start with this little thing. Marge put this in her apple of gold for the month of May. And uh, I enjoyed reading it, so I'm going to share it as we start today. Some folks say, you, learned, you learn how to be a mother by instinct. The real truth is, they never took a three-year-old shopping. Some folks say, being a mother is boring. The real truth, they never rode in a car driven by a teenager with a driver's permit. Some folks say, good mothers never raise their voices. The real truth they never came out of the back door just in time to see their child hit a golf ball through the neighbor's kitchen window. Some folks say you can't love the fifth child as much as you love the first. The real truth, they don't have five children. Some folks say a mother can find all the answers to her child-rearing questions in books. The real truth, they never had a child stuff beans up his nose. The hardest part of some folks say the hardest part of being a mother is labor and delivery. The real truth, they never watched their baby get on the bus for the first day of kindergarten or on a plane headed for military boot camp. Some folks say a mother can stop worrying after her child gets married. The real truth, they don't know that marriage adds new sons and daughter-in-laws to a mother's heartstrings. Some folks say mother knows you love her, so no need to tell her. The real truth, they aren't a mother. That is so true. And I want to tell you, if you have a mom here today or you have a mom that's living, you make sure you get around her and love her, write her a note, give her a gift, do something to express 
your love for her. They are so important in your life. The impact of a mother is beyond what we can describe. I've often thought that Jesus Christ is personified in mothers and is the, one of the greatest pictures of self-sacrifice for a person in this world. You'll have no one love you like that. No unconditional love like a mother's love. It's, it's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful thing. And you have to get a little older to completely appreciate that, but as you get older and older, it just it drives home into your heart. All right, with that, then, I want to turn to the Word of God now. And what I did is I put this message together around this theme. Five things a mama said that taught her child about how to survive emptiness. All right, I've got five of them. I played around with this this week on this outline, and these are the ones that I landed on. Number one, mama said, I'll be all right. I just need some time to cry. I'll be all right. I just need some time to cry. The Bible says in verse 1 that a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditors have come to take my two children to be his slaves. Now, what I like about this passage is she cries out to the man of God. She doesn't go to the debtors. She doesn't go to the bankers. She doesn't go to her neighbors. She doesn't even go to her parents. She cries out to the man of God. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. And so uh, when I look over my life, I saw my dad cry twice in his whole life, two times his whole life. When I look at my mom, my mom would cry all the time, but she tried to hide her tears from me. She tried to hide that she was crying or she didn't want people to know. But the truth is, there were many times I saw her cry at key times in her life. That had a great impact on me. I'm very tender-hearted, and as a result of that, that has been special to me for the tears that I saw my mother cry. This woman, her husband, has died in seminary training to be a servant of the Lord and to be like a pastor or a prophet. And so he was at Elisha's school for the prophets. That's what the Bible says in verse 1. And he died prematurely. And so she's a young widow now left with two children. This is not the way she wanted her life to go. She did not want these experiences to happen to her. She started out excited about ministry, helping her husband. She started out, she loved God. But the truth is, bad things happen to God's people. Bad things happen to God's people. And it happened to her. Here is a tragic death. She lost her husband prematurely before she had wanted to. And while she is experiencing the emotional toil of losing her husband, not only is there a death, but there is a great debt. This woman has now gotten herself into huge amounts of debt because she did not have a husband to provide for her. And as a result of that, she borrowed money upon money upon money because she was desperate. So she had this death and she had this debt and she was living off promises she could not fill. She tried her best to fill these promises, but she couldn't. And as a result of that, she hawked the microwave, okay? She sold the couch. She pawned her husband's guns. She sold her jewelry. She sold her wedding ring. And now she's out of everything. She's got nothing left. And so 
she is in a serious problem. She's got a death, she's got a debt, and she's got desperation. She's desperate. She's desperate because not only are the cupboards empty, not only is everything sold, but she's about to lose her two boys to creditors that were coming. In those days, if you default on your loans, they don't come take your house, they don't come take anything, they come and take your children. And so you sign an agreement where if you do not pay back your debt, they take your children for seven years to another town and they work as slaves. And you don't see them for seven years. Makes you think twice about the kind of debt you'll go into. And that's one reason they did that, is to make people think twice because they didn't want to lose their kids. And so in her case, she is desperate. I mean, she has at the point of losing everything she's got in her life. And so she goes to the man of God with her desperation. She cries out. You can just sense those tears of losing her husband, potentially losing her children. And she is so desperate, she doesn't know what to do. So she finds the man of God, Elisha, and she begins to cry to him. She tells her boys, I'll be all right. I just need some time to cry. Number two, mama said, I have nothing left but a pot of oil. Verse 2 says, Elisha said to her, what, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Now listen carefully to what she said. And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Now let me just explain this to you so you get where this whole thing is going to go. The, the oil in the Old Testament is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Okay, it, it symbolizes the presence of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. Now, this miracle is going to start out of normal things. Something she's got in her house. That's a good thing to think about, by the way. When God wants to do a miracle in your life, he'll start out with normal things that you already got. And so it's a normal thing in the house to have this pot of oil. It wasn't valuable in her hands but it was invaluable when she put it in the hands of God. And that's the key to the whole text here. She places it in the hands of God. So she says to Elijah, I, I don't got anything in my house except a pot of oil. Now, now think about that for a minute, okay, because that's kind of her attitude right now. She's just showing you the desperation of what she feels. And Elijah's kind of saying to her, you're telling me what you got but I want to know what you got left. I want to know what you got left. God never uses what you lost. He always uses what you have left. You need to remember that because you can grieve over all the things you've lost and miss the fact that God's not going to use anything you lost. He's going to use what you have left. Now, that, that's an important principle to learn. He doesn't need what you lost to bless you. He'll always use what you have left. He'll always use what you have left. Verse 3. Then he said, Go borrow vessels at large, as many as you can get, is the idea, for yourself, from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. All right, let's think about this for a minute. Elisha says to the woman, who's already in debt, go borrow some more. 
Now think about that because God's pushing this woman. And ultimately says, go borrow some more. I'm sure the woman's thinking here as I was thinking about this and meditating on this. Her attitude is, didn't you hear me? (laughs) I'm already in debt. Who loans stuff to people who are already in debt? My credit score's 200. I'm really out on a limb here, and I got my two boys up for collateral, and you want me to borrow some more? This is incredible how God's going to set this up. You want me to go borrow? You have the nerve to tell me I'm not empty enough. Now, I want you to hear that. Would you hear that good? God is saying, it's not bad enough. It's not bad enough yet. And ma'am, when it gets bad enough, you'll see my glory. You'll see me come through. And you'll see the oil flow into your life. But I want you to know, it's not bad enough, ma'am. And when it gets bad enough, you'll see my hand work. That's important. That's important. I don't want you to miss that little thought right there, okay? This message is not for the average mom. This is not for the average mom today. This is for the desperate mom who's backed in a quarter, shoved to the wall, and as she's shoved to the wall, she's seeking a blessing, but she's got no choice in her life but to believe God. There's nothing else she can do. All she can do is believe God. And if she doesn't believe God, she's going under. She'll lose everything. She'll lose her family, and she'll never get out of her situation. That's how desperate this woman is. Okay, so I got to thinking about that just at another level. Are you in enough trouble to even hear this message? You've got to be in enough trouble to really get this message. Some of you are doing too good to hear it. You've got too many resources, too much intellect. You're too full to get this. You're too full to get this. I love what uh, Dane Ortland said. I got the quote wrong. Oh, he changed it for me. <laughs> the service the next. That was very kind of you, Kurt. Dane Ortland says this. God is best experienced from a place of vulnerability. God is best experienced from a place of vulnerability. That comes from his book, Gentle and Lowly. If you haven't read that book, it's a great book. It's only been out a year or so. But it's a great thought. God is best experienced from a place of vulnerability. You you have to be desperate for the Word to come alive in your life. It's an incredible thing to get into your heart, okay? Desperate enough to say, I ain't got nothing to lose. Are you desperate enough to say, I ain't got nothing to lose? Because it is your nothingness. It is your nothingness that attracts God. This is interesting. It is your nothingness that attracts God to you. When you've got nothing, God likes that. God likes that. So I put this down. Are you empty enough to have a faith experience? Are you empty enough to have a faith experience? The vacuum of the soul, the vacuum of the soul. I'm telling you this as I, as I stand here today, that attracts God. That attracts God. Jesus doesn't need to teach you when you walk on concrete. This old stage underneath it is concrete. 
it's so easy to walk on concrete. You just, you just walk on it. You've walked your whole life on it. But I'll tell you, it's another thing when he has to teach you how to walk on water. That's a little different. Now he's got your full and undivided attention because he's trying to teach you something you've never done before. And so, so you've got to learn that when you come to this place of empty, God's not going to teach you something that's going to be like walking on water. Okay, that's number two. Number three, Mama said, can we borrow your empty vessels? Mama said, can we borrow your empty vessels? Verse three, notice this now. It says, go out and borrow for yourself from all your neighbors vessels, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. Now, at the end of verse five, it says that the mom poured out the oil, but her sons were bringing the vessels to her. So they're going out door to door, house to house, looking for these vessels. Searching for people with empty vessels. It's an amazing thing. It's just, it's just something to get. Elisha says, go borrow. Just, just borrow. Why, why would he say that? You're not going to need it long. You're not going to need it long. Just do it and then give it back to him. You're just borrowing the empty vessels. It reminds me of Jesus borrowing the grave. He borrowed a grave. I won't be here long. You can have it back. See, that, that's the way God is. God, God works that way in time when, when, you, when you borrow something. It, it's just an amazing thing. Uh, so Elisha says, just borrow the solution. <laughs> just borrow the solution. Because in trusting God, everything you lost will come back. Your situation is temporary. Whatever you're dealing with right now, just... Just trust God. Everything that you lost will come back. That's, that's, that's a beautiful thing to just think about for a minute in your life, all right? And so as you think about this now, it says in verse 3, when you go out and borrow these vessels, make sure they're empty. That's the emphasis of the text. That's the emphasis of the whole passage here, all right? Borrow empty vessels because I'm driving this home to you, okay? So the first thing you want to realize is God values vessels. God values vessels. When everybody else values what's in the content of the vessel, God values the vessel. When you go to Belk and you buy perfume, God's not interested in the perfume. He's interested in the perfume bottle. He's interested in empty. It's, it's an incredible thing to kind of get a hold of. Nobody goes to the store and says, I don't want the bleach. I just want the can the bleach is in. You just don't do that. It's, it's crazy to think that way, but that's exactly what's going on here. Again, not just vessels, but empty vessels. Get empty vessels in order to get your miracle. I don't want it a half full. I don't want it a third full. I don't want a little at the bottom. I want them completely empty. In other words, they must be empty to be eligible. They must be empty to be eligible so here's where I'm turning this sermon for each of you here this morning. Are you empty enough? Are you empty enough? If you got one idea, you're not empty enough. If you got plan B and then you got plan C for plan B when B goes wrong, you're not empty enough. You've got to have nothing to go to. Then you're empty enough. That's, that's, that's how you want to see this thought here. Um, 
I was just thinking back over the last couple years with COVID. I have never been drained, and I don't think many of you have never been drained like we've been drained over the last two years with COVID. Now, working in the counseling field for a lot of my life, I remember reading on psychologists who talk about compassion fatigue. I didn't know I was experiencing that in the two years. And many of you were experiencing that. And that is when you had enough disastrous and difficult things happen, one on top of the other, you run out of compassion. You run out of compassion. And that was happening to a lot of us. That's why we were shorter with people. That's why we were frustrated. That's why we couldn't move forward, because we were running out of compassion. Everything took its toll as you look back at that time. And then you get to this point where you say in the middle of compassion fatigue, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what happens. I spent all my care. I'm empty. You got a sad face and nobody died. You, you, you just think about that, okay? Um, the kids do whatever they want and you don't say nothing. You just let them do what they want to do. I'm tired of arguing with you. You got no more advice. You got no more energy, no more drive, no more compassion, no more passion. You're empty. You're empty. I thought about this. Who wants to hire empty people? Who wants to hire somebody with no drive, no passion, no, no uh, uh, willingness to move forward, no creativity, no ideas? Can you imagine hiring? Nobody thinks to hire somebody like that. Who wants to hire somebody like that? God says, I don't want none of that. I don't want your creativity. I don't want your ideas. I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that stuff. Go borrow some empty vessels. Now think about it. How do you go ask somebody for empty? How do you go ask somebody for empty? I remember as a kid, my, we, we had four neighbors around us, and any time my mom ran out of stuff, and they ran out of stuff, they'd come over and they'd borrow, and we'd go over there, and my mom would say, go over and, go over and get a cup of sugar. She never said, go over and get a cup. <laughs> she said, go over and get a cup of sugar. Oh, I'm out of creamer. Go over and go over, go over to the Downses and get, get some creamer. Hey, I'm out of dish liquid. Go, go over and get some dish liquid over at Mrs. Bobby's. Just, that's, that's the way you do it. You go over and you get something to put it into the empty vessel. But in God's case, he says, no, I don't want any of that. Can you imagine these kids going to these neighbors and they say, can we borrow your empty vessels? And, 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 the, and the neighbors look at him and say something like this, you mean your mama wants to borrow empty vessels? Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Who wants to borrow that? Well, that's what the prophet told my mom, God values. That's what the prophet told my mom, God values. God values you the most, not when you're full, not when you're overflowing, not when you got energy, not when you got creativity. God values you the most when you are empty. You are empty. It's, it's, it's grasp that today. James Montgomery said that, and I think that's a beautiful thought. God values you the most when you are empty. God creates empty vessels. 
That's how God does it. He does it all throughout the Bible. You may have just missed it. When he made Adam, he made Adam out of the dirt of the ground and he formed him into a man. Now, I don't know if he then laid him up against a tree sitting there. I don't know if he was laying down on the ground flat like a corpse. I don't know. But there was no life in him. Inside of Adam at that moment in time, he was empty. But God looks for empty things to blow into. That's what God looks for. He looks for empty. He looks for empty. And he came to Adam and he blew into him. He breathed into him. And man became a living soul. That's how God did it. He looks for something empty and then he wants to breathe into it. God wants to breathe into people who are empty. You've got to be empty. You've got to be empty. Void. There's a void in you, and you've got to recognize that, that nothing seems to fill in your life. You're in pain. You're empty. Here's what I want to say to you. I hope you'll lock this in. Mother, Dad, anyone really listening at this level, God is attracted to your empty. God is attracted to your empty. That's so foreign. That's so foreign to think about it that way. Moses builds a tabernacle. God says, I want you to build me a tabernacle. And then now you're done with the tabernacle, now I want you to build me the furniture. Okay, now you build the furniture, now I want you to build me the holy of holies. And when you build that holy of holies, I want you to make it into a box, and I want it empty inside. And once you build that holy of holies, I'm going to come in with my Shekinah glory, my divine presence, and I'm going to fill the box. That's what God does. He's attracted to empty. He fills empty boxes. The question is not, are you full enough, but are you empty enough? That's the question. Are you empty enough? Not if you got it together. He's not looking for people who got it together. God's presence comes into people who are empty. Excuse me. Excuse me. Mama said, can we borrow your empty? Can we borrow your empty? And door by door, house by house, they gathered empty. I don't know how many they got. I don't know how many vessels they got, how many houses they went to. But I'm telling you this. The oil didn't flow until they found empty. <laughs> the oil didn't flow until they found empty. That's so important to get into your heart right now because that's where I'm going with this, okay? When you say, I don't have anywhere else to go, God says, you're just right for me. You're just right for me. God's waiting for you. You know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for you to run out of people to call. He's waiting for you to run out of people to trust. He's waiting for you to explain yourself where you don't have anybody to explain yourself to. You know what he's saying? Just come empty. Come empty. That's how I want you. I want you empty. The question is not can he supply. He's a God who has everything. He's a God who has all the cattle on a thousand hills. He has everything. So that's not really the question. The question is, do I have enough empty? Do I have enough empty to attract God's attention? That's the question. All right, that's number three. Number four, mama said, shut the door. 
shut the door. Verse 4, it says, And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, and they were bringing the vessels to her and she poured. Okay, this is a beautiful thought here. Come here, boys. We're going to get in the house and we're going to get in alone. Okay, we're going to shut the door and we're going to lock ourselves in the house. Nobody's going to come in. TV's off. The phones are off. We're just going to get alone here. And we can't get out, and nobody can come in. The door's locked. The door's locked. Sometimes you just got to shut out your own will. You got to shut out your emotions. You've got to shut out your pride. Because God wants to be alone with you. God wants to be alone with you. It's a wonderful thing to think about. This is a private moment with you and God. Now hear this, Mom. And your children are watching you. They're watching you. This is the power of that moment. When you are empty before God and empty before your children. And they're watching you. Some of those memories are locked in my mind. When my mom went through some difficult times. And I just watched her. I just watched her. That's when God begins to move. Look, look at how God moved. It says at the end of verse 5, it says, And she poured out. And she poured. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There's not one more vessel. And the oil stopped. I, I love this verse. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thought here. So the oil is in the pot or in the container. And God begins to move. And, and she's saying to the boars, Now watch. Watch how God's going to move in our life. I believe, I have the faith to believe this, sons. I'm going to see God move, and I want you to watch this. The pot of oil, the container of oil versus all these empty vessels. So I brought one container of oil, just for you to get an idea of this. You take this one container of oil, and the truth of the matter is, it's measurable. I could pour this out and find out exactly how many ounces are in this. It's finite. So the oil in the pot is finite versus all of these empty vessels. So you got a measurable pot of oil until she poured it out. Until she poured it out. The truth of the matter is, the oil began to flow when she poured it out. And you think you know what you got, but you really don't know what you got till you pour it out. You got to pour it out. It's, a, it's, it's just something to grasp in this. And so this oil flows, and it won't flow until you pour it out. As long as you save it. As long as you save it. You don't know what you got. You don't know what you got until you pour it out you got to pour it out. 
And that's what this woman had to do right there with their children watching her. Because as long as you save it, it's just a measurable pot of oil. Just a measurable pot of oil. You don't know what you can do until you pour it out. But when you pour it out, you multiply it. You increase it. It goes from finite to infinite because you put it into the hands of God. Somewhere between straight up vertical and being turned upside down, horizontal, the oil poured out and didn't stop until they filled up every empty vessel. This is what God's going to do with you. You walk around in life straight up vertical, but then what he's going to do, he's going to turn your life upside down and you're going to go horizontal because he's going to pour you out. He's going to pour you out. Because that's how God works. As the oil flows, it begins to multiply. As long as there's empty vessels, as long as there's empty vessels, because that's what God's attracted to, the oil continues. See, the oil in the pot doesn't flow it doesn't flow in proportion to its container i love this it flows in proportion to the emptiness of the vessels in front of it <laughs> the more empty you put in front of god the more you begin to flow the more empty you put in front of God, the more you begin to flow. The more you have a need, the more you'll have an answer. And that's what the Bible says over and over, but do we believe it? Do you believe that you'll have an answer if you put it in front of God? If you pour out your life and say, God, here it is. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll, I'll give what you want me to give. Whatever you want to do with my life, I'm just going to pour it out. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. That's why he says the more you knock the more doors shall open. The more you seek, the more you'll find. The more you ask, the more it'll be given to you. You see what God's saying? He's saying, just pour it out. Just, just come after me. God says, shut the door, pour it out, and it'll flow. It'll flow. Now, I don't have time to do this in this message here, but I want to say this to you uh, just real quickly. I went through the whole Bible, and I took all the places that the doors were shut. And I followed them through for a theme. And it's an amazing thing to see that many times, okay, just let me give you a few. Jairus' daughter. Jesus went to Jairus' house and the daughter was dead up in the upper room. He went and he shut the door behind him. Why did he shut the door? Because God was going to do something with a shut door in a closed room and he brought her back to life. When Jesus Christ was put into a tomb, the stone was rolled in front of him, and a resurrection occurred with he was closed in the tomb. That's where the resurrection occurred. He didn't push and roll the stone away. He walked through the stone. And then where did he go? He went to the, where the doors were shut of his disciples. And then he walked in through the door where the disciples were, and there he appeared to them, and then they believed. It's an amazing thing. God always works behind closed doors. He always works behind closed doors. The more it became empty, the more it flowed. Okay, I want to say this carefully, but I'd like you to lock in on it. The secret to your next miracle 
is come empty. Come empty. You say, I'm thirsty for you to be my water. I'm hungry for you to be my bread. I'm empty. That's all you have to do. Come empty. Admit it. Admit it. I'm empty. I'm tired. I'm dry. I'm thirsty. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill my cup. I need more of you. I need you. I can't do this without you. God's attracted to that. God's attracted. All right, number five, I'm going to close it up, okay? Mama said, tell them thank you. Here are your vessels back. Mama said, tell them thank you. Here are your vessels back. Verse six at the end says, and the oil stopped. And then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons can live on the rest. Now, I found this interesting because the way it hit me is, first of all, what, what's happening in verse 6, at the end of 6 and verse 7, is now this girl's got a testimony. Now this mom's got a testimony. This is what every mother needs, is a testimony of where God's worked in her life. She's got a testimony, first of all, to her children, which is powerful. Look what God did her mama. And her two boys took the vessels and took them back. They saw the hand of God on their mom. And they saw the miracle that was done. They saw the movement of God in this woman. And it was powerful because her two children were watching her testimony. Now she's got a testimony to her children and now she's got a testimony to her neighbors. Mama said, we don't need these anymore. Thank you. Here are your vessels back. Now she's got a message to tell the neighbors about what God did in her house with her children and with her future. Mama said, we don't need these anymore. Thank you for the vessels. You can have them back. So she's got a testimony to her children. She's got a testimony to her neighbor, but the one she wanted to give it to was the prophet. So she runs to the prophet, and she testifies to the prophet what God did for her. She said, you're not going to believe it. I'm sure Elijah thought, yes, I am. And, and she said to him, she said, God has provided so much for me. Look at all this oil I got. Elisha says, go pay off your debtors and live off the rest. This is good. This is good. You mean I'm going to have something left? That's right. You're going to have something left. You mean I came empty and I'm going to leave with overflow? That's right. You came empty and you're going to leave with overflow. You mean my cup's going to run over? That's right. If he's your shepherd, your cup will run over. All your needs will be met, and then some. And then some. I was only asking to break even. God said, I wasn't interested in you breaking even. I was giving you overflow. Whatever you got, mom, sow it. Whatever you're holding on to, give it. Give it. Come empty. God says, I'll bring you into overflow. I'll bring you into overflow. 
You'll have enough for the rest of your life because this one miracle is all you need. This one miracle is going to do it. You don't need any more. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to get a hold of this in your life. Boys, take those vessels back. So the boys take the vessels back. Thank you. Here's your vessel back. We won't need it anymore. Something you used to need? <laughs> now you don't need it anymore. Something you used to need in your life? Now you don't need it anymore because you live off the rest in God. You live off the rest in God. From empty to rest. From empty to rest. This is how you do it. From empty to rest. You rest in his promises. You rest in his word. You rest in his truth. You rest in his grace. You just rest. Economy's going crazy. Government's just as crazy. You just rest. You just rest. You live off the rest. When everything else is going crazy. You live off the rest. Why? I'm going to rest. Who are you going to rest in? Rock of Ages. I'm going to rest in the Rock of Ages. That's what I'm going to do with my life. That's the secret to overflow. That's the secret to overflow. Let's pray. Let's pray. Okay, heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's just stand to our feet. Just stand to your feet right where you are. I'm going to just broaden this invitation just a little here this morning, okay? Here's my invitation. Praise team is coming to sing a beautiful song. As they come to sing this song, I'm going to invite every woman that is willing to come empty. You don't have to be a mom, but I'm including moms, grandmothers. I'm including wives. I'm including single moms or single, uh, single people who are women, okay? This, 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 I'm broadening this out. I just feel this compulsion to broaden this out a little, okay? Because I just feel like it has a broader reach right now. And, and here's kind of what I want to say to you. All you women that are willing to say this, I'll come empty. What I'm going to ask you to do is just start coming anytime. And I want you to get as close to this thrust and as close to these altars as you can. And just stand there, okay? Just stand there. And as you come... I, I want to just say this to you, okay? This is, this is where my heart's at with this. With all your problems and all your failures, mom, ma'am, God says you're just right for me. God says you're just right for me. What God wants to do is he wants to borrow you. God wants to borrow you. <laughs> okay, get as close as you can. Come, keep, keep moving in. Try to keep in. And, and just get as close as you can so we can get as many as we can around this altar. You just say, I'm coming empty. I'm coming empty. So I'm inviting you to come empty to Jesus. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'm available. No one else has ever seen me valuable. But you do. You do. And here's what I want you to pray right now, Mom, okay? Close your head, bow your eyes, and just pray this prayer, okay? Here it is. Fill me. Just start praying that to God. Fill me. Fill my ministry. Fill my family. Fill my husband. Fill my life. Fill my cup. Just, just fill me. Just start praying that right now at this altar. Just fill me.
fill me. Fill me up, Lord. I'm just going to pray over as you're praying that. Okay, you pray that, and I'm going to pray over you. And you just continue to pray, just asking God to fill you. Whatever it is, you need him to fill you over. Oh, God, fill every empty vessel at this altar. And may the Holy Spirit flow. Flow over them. Flow into their mind. Flow into their heart. Flow into their spirit right now. Just fill them. Fill them. God, I just lift them up to you. God, may they never say, God, I just want it to be me. No, God, help them to pray and seek you as they're empty. God, I just want it to be you. God, I just want it to be you. Fill me. Fill me, God. Fill my cup. I lift it up, Lord. Fill my cup. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven. Feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Fill it up. And make me whole. Father, I lay them before you now for your blessing upon their lives as mothers, as women, as wives, for all the ways they're not seen, all the ways they don't feel valuable, and all the failures they feel. God, I pray you take them make them a beautiful testimony to their children their neighbors and most of all to you so I lift them up I ask it in the precious name of Jesus in Jesus name amen amen thank you ladies you go back to your seats at this time I'm going to turn it over to the praise team and they're going to sing a song as we worship